and welcome to the Moonshots Podcast. It's episode 189. I'm your co-host, Mike Parsons, and as always, I'm joined by the man with a plan, Mr. Mark Pearson Freeland. Good morning, Mark. Hey, good morning, Mike. This is a pretty fun plan that we have planned for you, the Moonshots team, our listeners, as well as our members today, isn't it? The chefs have been in the kitchen, Mark, and we've got a very timely show ahead of us today, don't we? That's right. Today, listeners and members, we are reviewing and revisiting and reflecting on the shows and the rules that we learned from Mr. Jordan Peterson. And he has been up to all sorts of mischief of of late, Mark. He is all over the news. He's getting himself like kicked off Twitter. And, you know, it's funny, isn't it, with guys like this, um, he reminds me a lot of Elon. Um, They are both controversial, newsworthy guys. And um, with everything that's been going on with Jordan uh, recently, we just thought it would be a great idea to reflect on his work and ask ourselves what we can learn from such a figure. And we're not really going to pass judgment on whether he should or should not be hanging out on the Twitterverse. That's for others. For us, it's all about learning out loud. And he has a great body of work. And I'm sure, Mark, there's something we can learn from those two books that we've studied. Well, that's right. We covered both books back in uh, our library of moonshot shows. We did his first book, 12 Rules for Life, An Antidote to Chaos, as well as his follow-up book, Beyond Order, 12 More Rules for Life. And I think it was pretty clear upon revisiting those shows, as well as uh, Peterson's body of work, that there is so much that we can learn. Like you say, Mike, we're not here to pass judgment. It doesn't really matter. That's for somebody else to comment on. What we do here on the Moonshot Show is focus on what we can learn. I like this idea of learning out loud and proving that we can learn from so many individuals, authors, entrepreneurs, superstars, athletes, uh, astronauts, politicians, and so on. We can learn a lot from these individuals. And regardless of going deep into um, uh, all the, the news stories and so on, Taking a snapshot of these tips, these behaviors, these mindsets is what we do on the Moonshot Show, isn't it? Yeah. And we had like a, what, over 20 different rules that he uh, has captured in his two books. And we've just tried to pick four or five of them that we think they they really have something to them that have really appeared uh, a ton. One of the, the, the rules that's coming up will be all about, you know, with whom you compare yourself, Mm. a really powerful theme. That's also something that, uh, you know, Brené Brown talked a lot about. And there's this, this, you know, there's so much wisdom about, ancient wisdom about just not comparing yourselves to others and how it's a very slippery slope. So Jordan Peterson has some thoughts on that. What else, um, I mean, it wasn't easy to pick these five clips, was it, Mike? What else did you, uh, which one is sticking out for you coming up on the show that you think our listeners are going to love? Well, I think there's a good firm uh, Moonshots listener favorite around growth mindset. So lots of uh, evidence from Carol Dweck Mm -hmm. around the growth mindset concept. And we really have found that is a core theme or DNA or foundation of the Moonshot show, haven't we? So we've got Mm. that to look forward to. I think there's also something really specific around doing what is meaningful 
in your life with mm. regards to work that mm. was for you and I uh, a big aha moment when we did listen to those rules the mm. first time around. I think that one really stands out. What about you? Yeah, I like that one. We've also got um, some great moonshots models of gratitude and accountability. So I, I think we've pulled together five clips that not only give you the breadth of um, some of the work and the thinking of Jordan Peterson, but really do reflect some of the most important themes that you and I have discovered on the show together. So I think if you were to to prepare yourself for this show, there's at least a couple here that should really land for you. We're going to do an analysis of each of those clips and, and hopefully you can walk away you know, learning together with us and um, learning together with the work of Jordan Peterson and being on the path to being the best version of yourself. So Mark, what do you think? Shall we kick things off? Yeah, I think so, Mike. I feel ready for Jordan Peterson. So let's jump in. This time we have some thinking from the man himself about to whom we should compare ourselves. You really have to stop comparing yourself in some ways to other people. And the reason for that is that the particularities of your life are so idiosyncratic that there isn't anyone really all that much like you, you know, because the details of your life happen to matter. And so maybe you compare yourself to some rock star or something like that. And, you know, the person's rich and famous and glamorous and all that, but, you know, they're alcoholic and they use too much cocaine and they've had three divorces. And it's like, how the hell do you make sense out of that? Is that someone that you should judge yourself harshly against or not? The answer is you don't know because you don't know all the details of their lives. And who do you know that you can compare yourself to? That's easy. You. Yesterday. So here's a good goal. It's something like, well, aim high. And I, I really mean that. It's like, and we'll talk about that a little bit too. Aim high, but use as your control yourself. It's like, so your goal is to make today some tiny increment better than yesterday. And you can use better, you can define better yourself. This doesn't have to be some imposition of external morality. You know, you know where you're weak and insufficient, where you could improve. You think, okay, well, this is what I'm like yesterday. If I did this little thing, things would be just a, an increment better. And, well, th that's a great thing because you get the ball rolling and incremental improvement is unstoppable. You can actually implement it, and it starts to generate Pareto distribution-like consequences. It starts to compound. And I've seen that happen in people's lives over and over. And people write me all the time and tell me that they're doing that. But I've seen that happen to, in people's lives continually. They make a goal, a goal that... The goal should be, how could I conceive of my life so that if I had that life, it would clearly be worth living, so I wouldn't have to be bitter, resentful, deceitful, arrogant, and vengeful. Oh, geez, those oh. were some pretty. <laughs> he was about to go dark then, wasn't he? He, he, was, he was getting into it there. Um, but I think that's, that's a good point to, to, to pause and reflect because I think that's really what this clip and this rule number four is all about. It's reflection, isn't it, Mike? It's mm. reflecting on who you are. Who am I? Who's Mark? And where was I perhaps yesterday? Or exactly. after a significant event, maybe today, whenever it is. And instead of constantly thinking, oh, well, I'm not as influential as, as Peterson. Instead, that remember that it's not a worthwhile comparison. For me, again, this is a bit of a penny drop moment because it's very, very easy to compare yourself, your successes, your career, your interests and hobbies even to somebody else. But the truth is it's not a fair comparison because of how different your upbringing has been your your environment 
your ecosystem and so on. And I don't know, for me, this is quite a big moment actually, as we go through these rules from Peterson, because like you were just saying that, that, that compound interest is significant as we look at our ways of being better each day. That's really what Peterson's calling out here. Stop trying to shoot towards the Elon Musk's perhaps, and instead think, okay, well, what can I learn from them? And how can I make myself better? Just small little pieces each day in order to try and make myself get that little bit better. Yeah. Two thoughts that come to mind here. Number one, it's such wasted energy comparing yourself to others because number one, if you are looking at others going, oh, geez, they're they're doing so much better than me. Well, here's the thing. There is no positive energy to be gained from that thought. That is your ego speaking. Eckhart Tolle would be going bonkers right now Mm -hmm. if he heard you doing that kind of stuff, right? So first of all, there's nothing to gain from that envy, that jealousy, that ego. Like there's nothing, nothing to gain. Um, That's the first thing. Second thing, I can't remember which show it was on, but one of the clips we've played in the last month or two, Mark, someone said, well, you know, the, the working class guy is looking at the rich guy envying his money and the rich guy is looking at the, the working class guy envying the simplicity of his life. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the reality is a lot of us are all looking at each other, envying each other's situation. So it tells you it's like this big circular kind of cluster. Um, the reality is that the best thing you can do is make commitments to yourself and work hard to reach them every single day. And if you can just be 1% better every day, this is huge because if you do it every single day, day after day, you will turn back maybe in a week, in a month, maybe it's a whole year. And then you go all of a sudden, wow, look at that. I mean, we started this show, Mark, and we would get a couple of hundred listeners each month. And two years later, we get 25,000 listeners a month and it just is growing like crazy. But each show, we just turn up, do it a little bit better. And we can do that in our lives. And the, here's the thing, because everyone makes mistake. There is no, I, there's no such thing as perfect. What there is, is working hard, learning and doing it a little bit better the next time. Because that learning is so satisfying because even if you're not at your end goal, if you can love the process, if you can get addicted to the compounding, the, the meaning in your day comes from knowing that, hey, I did it better yesterday. Hey, and today I did it a little bit better again. And if you can just bring yourself into the moment and say, am I doing it better now? Then you can not be held hostage by the, all those comparisons that Jordan Peterson talks about. I mean, this, this I, I think a lot of people in the age of Instagram and social media struggle with a lot. I think everybody thinks everyone else is having a great life. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Don't you? Yeah, I think you're right. It, it's very easy to look at uh, whether it's podcasts, social media. Uh, everybody's got a TV show nowadays. It's it's an unfair 
ecosystem to try and compare yourself to others, isn't it? And, and what you've just said, it's wasted energy. Instead of looking at somebody else thinking, oh, I wish I heard what they had, channel that into something more productive yeah, and, well, and take, do compound Take interest. this example, Mark. Um, have you seen like all the people, all the Instagram models getting in trouble for Photoshopping the last few months? Yeah. Yeah. So why would you compare yourself if you're a woman looking at those women? Why would you even compare yourself? Because it's all Photoshopped anyway. It's Photoshopped and fake anyway. It's an illusion. Yeah. It's, it's that wasted energy. And, uh, and Gary V, um, that might be, Mike, the episode that perhaps you were referencing. Because I know the, the Gary V show that we did was very orientated around this idea of not comparing yourself to others and the... Uh, the imbalance between, you know, a rich person wanting the simplicity or, you know, yeah. somebody else wanting yeah. the, the, the rich lifestyle. And, you know, again, that show with Gary Vee, he was calling this out, wasn't it? It's fake anyway. Stop being distracted yeah. by where somebody else is because it's not the right thing to judge yourself on. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. I, th- I think that the, um, you know, your own success comes from setting your own goals and meeting them because, you know, you set something, uh, a goal that you control and you're not worried about externalities. I mean, that was a huge part of what Ryan Holiday said in the Stoicism series, like stop worrying about things you don't control, Mm. bring yourself into the present, focus on the things that you control. And that's where all the, all the, what I would argue at least satisfaction and fulfillment comes from. Maybe you might even find some real meaning there as well. Um, But I think this is great advice. Now, Mark, we don't want to draw any comparisons uh, amongst other people, but there are some people that we do really want to celebrate on this show, isn't it? That's right. If we are comparing ourselves to who we are I hope that all our members remember the same tip. So, dan, 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 celebrating all of our Patreon members, please welcome Bob and Niles, John and Terry, Niall, Marjolin, Ken and Dietmar, Marjan and Connor, Rodrigo, Yasmin, Lisa, Sid, Mr. Bonjour, Maria, Paul, Bergen, Kalman, David, Joe, Crystal and Ivo, Christian, Hurricane Brain, Samuela, Kelly, Barbara and Bob, Andre and Matthew, Eric and Abby, Hosey, Joshua, Chris and Kobe, Damien and Deborah, Gavin and Lassie, Tracy and Steve, Craig, Lauren and Javier. Welcome all Moonshots members. Yeah, thank you so much for your support. Super grateful because that helps us pay the bills. And boy, all these hosting companies and production (laughs) companies and software companies, and they're not cheap and that's what it takes to get this show uh, out into the four corners of the planet. So thank you so much as members uh, for supporting us. It's literally one cup of coffee per month. That's all it costs. Depending on what currency you're in, it's a couple of bucks a month and that helps us produce the show, pay the bills. We're super grateful for it. And in return, we give you a whole new podcast, which is the Moonshots Master Series. And we've done, uh, Mark, have we done 11 or 12 episodes of the Master Series? Uh, We've done 12. I mean, we covered topics such as opportunity costs, rapid prototyping, management of people, and second order thinking. That was a great one. Finding your purpose, entrepreneurship. We've done all sorts of things, even back to the concept of motivation. And this is an 
additional podcast on top of the weekly show that we push out. So these are preserved uh, and reserved, especially for you, our members. So to get access, go along to moonshots.io, click on the become a member button, and you too can, for the cost of a cup of coffee, have access to our Moonshot Master Series. How good as is that? Like you get to, you know, value for value exchange um, uh, to to give a little to help us to continue doing this show, but we throw in an extra podcast as well. So head over to moonshots.io so you can get the Moonshots Master Series. And, you know, hopefully that will help you pursue some meaningful work. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about next. And this first clip we got from Jordan Peterson is actually introducing two rules at the same time. Rule seven, do what is meaningful, as well as rule eight, tell the truth. So let's hear from Jordan Peterson. Give us this one-two punch about the pursuing truth. Rule seven is do what is meaningful and not what is expedient. And I would say in some sense, that's the core ethos of the book. Not exactly, because rule eight, which is tell the truth or at least don't lie, is a necessary conjunction to that or a necessary additional element. Because I don't think that you can pursue what is meaningful without telling the truth. And the reason for that is if you don't tell the truth, or let's say if you lie, which is an easier way to think about it, you corrupt the mechanisms, the instinctual mechanisms that manifest themselves as meaning, and then you can't trust them. And that's a very bad idea. So the fundamental reason to not lie is because you corrupt your own perceptions if you lie. And when you corrupt your own perceptions, then you can't rely on yourself. And if you can't rely on yourself, then, well, good luck to you. Because what are you going to rely on in the absence of your own judgment? You've got nothing if you, if you lose that. Rule eight is, as I said, tell the truth or, don't, or at least don't lie. Yeah. Mark, um, I think he's not talking about like when you get caught uh, stealing a cookie out of the cookie jar. <laughs> Did you steal a cookie? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I have a feeling he's going for something bigger here. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think he's he's calling us out. He's calling out the fact that if you, you know, lie to yourself, then you have a tendency to perhaps influence the way that you behave, the way that you interpret actions of others, and the way that you kind of interact with the world. That's that's what I'm getting from from these two rules. Mm. And I think to build on that he goes to a place where he really reveals the core of the book, which is to do what is meaningful, not what is expedient. And I think, Mark, this might be one of the biggest themes, not only of Peterson's work, but of the Moonshots podcast itself. Because after 129 episodes, I can tell you this idea of doing what matters, doing things of impact doing things where true value is created, right? Things that make you feel fulfilled, um, satisfied, maybe a bit happy, maybe that you feel like you've achieved your purpose, you're finding some meaning in life, which is truly the greatest pursuit versus what is expedient. And I think this is where we cheat ourselves. This is where we tell those lies. He's basically saying, don't take the easy path, take the hard path. And once you get this thought to there, what you can see 
is that this is so deeply related to the advice that we've had from so many people, authors, academics, even Joe Rogan himself, Yucca Willink, where they talk about embracing discomfort, problems, as Yucca would say, are good. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, this this is the antidote to the chaos of life when we're surrounded by distractions by individuals who might have what we think we want. And I want to re-emphasize that word. You think that you want something when the truth is it doesn't really matter. This is Jordan calling out to us, find what is that meaningful thing, isn't it? The expedient idea and the expedient reference I think he's, he's going for there, at least in my mind, is something that's kind of convenient. Maybe it's, as you say, maybe less it's work. easy. Yeah, it's less work. And it's a means to an end. I'm, I'm running after uh, a big payoff. I'm running after a success of some kind, mm. but I'm not willing to put in that work. And that's a pretty easy trap to fall into, Mike, isn't it? You know, if you've put in a lot of work into your career, sometimes you expect something to be, to, you expect that you've reached that end goal when perhaps that's maybe your ego talking. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're you're definitely going in the right direction here. I think that the truth or where the place from which this advice comes from is that if you are doing something worthwhile, or as Peterson would say, meaningful, right, you have to, you must accept that it will not be easy. And I think it is in this that you can go to another step and say, if it's starting to hurt, then you know you're doing the right thing. And I'm not talking about putting yourself in jeopardy here. Um, to use a gym um, analogy, if you're working out and you're like, oh, this is really hard, then you know that you're truly, you're truly doing the right thing. You really, you really do know that. Mm. Um, the, um, I think that the important thing here is, is once you say to yourself, okay, I am prepared to follow my purpose, to live my purpose, to be the best version of uh, ourselves, which is everything this show is about. Once you've kind of established that, the next thing you can say, it's going to be hard, ugly, uncomfortable, and I'm okay with that. And I think it's at this point where many of us struggle because we're like, wow, I've been doing this for a couple of years and I'm not getting the results. As Goggins would say, don't give up, right? Don't let go and take the expedient path that Peterson is talking about. Because, you know, it's really interesting how this comes back to uh, one of the clips we had on Joe Rogan and he was talking about like, who wants to win the lottery, man? Like that's going to feel good for like a half a second, right? Mm. And there's a lot of studies to, to suggest that winning the lottery is actually not like a great thing, right? Mm. I don't know if you heard about all of the, uh, it causes chaos in people's lives. They have all this money. They don't know how to manage it. People start trying to like grab that money in some nefarious way. Um, so you Rogan talks about God, earn it. How much better is it going to feel? You might have a 10th of money, but you earn every single dollar. And that is 
doing what is meaningful, not what is expedient. And I, Mark, I would say the reason this is so hard to truly practice is we are presented with what I call the pollution of the overnight success. We all think these amazing people came out of nowhere. But what we've discovered on this show is there's enormous sacrifice for people. Um, you know, I remember Jack Ma got rejected from 38 job applications before he got his first job. Wow. He went on to create Alibaba, of course. Like My point is this. I think so much happens when you say problems, good. Uncomfortable, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's almost the same thing I do when I'm running really fast, when I'm jogging outside, and it feels pretty uncomfortable. I know that I'm um, entering a stretch zone, a healthy push of my limits. And I think another theme that just to wrap this up is what we've also learned is that we have far more potential than we know. If only we can accept that the pursuit of meaningful uh, action is inviting challenge and hardship into your life. If you can just accept that and go through it. I mean, think of the people that run. 100 mile races. What would have been thought unheard of, impossible 50 years ago? People now run that, pushing the limits, saying, Hey, I'm prepared to go through the discomfort. I think this is our one of our greatest challenges societally now is to be prepared to do the hard work because we're our minds are polluted by social media, all these false overnight success stories, all these six pack abs, all of these women that just look like they're from the planet Venus, you know, all of these manufactured uh, propaganda uh, that everyone else is living the perfect life. The answer is no, it's hard. It's hard, but you got to do it. If you want to be the best version of yourself, embrace the hardship, right? Yeah, that is the antidote to chaos. The thing I'm I'm reminded of is as you were talking, is that amazing story from Matthew McConaughey, where he he gets those offers for that mm. rom com. Yeah. And gradually it goes up from, you know, I think it was four or five million, then eight, then ten, then twelve, and I think it settles on fifteen. And he just keeps on saying, No, no. And, and that, that would be the easy way out, wasn't it? That would be the expedient way. But he knew in his heart that he wanted to find that more meaningful route, that more meaningful journey. Mm-hmm. And what happens two years later, he doesn't work for two years. He's in that valley of darkness, wondering if he'll ever work again. But he stays true. He stays on the path towards meaning. And he does. He, he comes out the other side and finds the journey that he was looking for, this more meaningful, meaningful roles, these more meaningful stories that he wanted to tell in, in, in Hollywood and on TV and film. I think that's a, a great example, actually, Mike, of some of the other individuals that we've learned from that brings to life this, this truth of meaning and this truth of, you know, seeking um, that, that honesty your life. I think, I think that's really is the antidote to chaos that you were just saying, mm. the, the busyness of life and distraction, social media and so on getting in our way. Yeah. It's so easy to all fall into that. 
I have one last thought. And I know, listeners, you're probably thinking, geez, they're banging on about this one a lot. It was two <laughs> rules in one. <laughs> so give us, a, give us a break. It was two rules. But I, but I do think, as Jordan uh, Peterson suggested, this might be kind of the gist to the whole book. I think there is like another way of expressing um, these thoughts from Peterson that we've been exploring about meaning and versus expediency. And I think, um, you know, this idea of being prepared to do the hard work today and defer results uh, for a later point in time. And I think um, this deferring of instant gratification, I think if we get to like a habit of where we are right now in how we live and work as a society, I think we have an enormous challenge with this because I think about this idea of I love reading. And so if I think, oh, you know, I'd really love to read something about this or someone recommends something. Um, for example, you know, Mark, I recommended a, a documentary to you yesterday and by yesterday evening you'd already watched it. Okay. <laughs> I think about this idea of oh, I, I'd really like to read a particular book. Within a, a nanosecond, I jump on my Kindle, zip, there it is. Okay. There was no deference of gratification. Now go back to back in the good old days. I used to have to go to the library to get a book or go into town to buy the book. Um, and you know, I would hear about a lot less books, of course. So my point is this, whether it's books, movies, content, whether it's Uber Eats, everything is at our door in a nanosecond. We are in a world of real-time instant gratification, yet the greatest irony is that being the best version of yourself is a sacrifice now, gain later paradigm. It is deferred gratification. And this is why I think so many people get off track because they get so many things in a moment. Um, It's even got to the point where when you have these buy now, pay later services where they say, hey, you can't afford it, don't worry, buy it now and we'll sort out the payment later. I mean, that is living beyond your means, people. Like, don't do this. Like, if you don't have the cash, don't buy it. And frankly, you know, it's just another thing anyway. So I think, Mark, the reason that we struggle so much to find meaning, satisfaction and fulfillment in life. Yes, there's a proxy here of happy, you know, and we've got like generations growing up now that are more clinically depressed than any other generation. And I believe it's because they're getting everything now. Yet the true meaning of life, satisfaction and fulfillment lays in a lot of sacrifice now and for gains in the future. I think that is why it's so damn hard, right? Yeah, it, it, it's the instant, it's the expectation that I will get that result straight away. Mm-hmm. And look, I'm, I'm pretty guilty of it, Mike. You know, I'll, I'll often think, okay, well, I've put in all this hard work on a project or research or collaboration, whatever it might be. And I, I do, as, as Jordan calls out in, in um, particularly rule eight, tell the truth or at least don't lie, when he says to, to us, you know, don't lie to ourselves because then you, you corrupt your, your perception. That's me corrupting my perception, isn't it? That's me yeah. thinking, well, I've earned it. I've put in that hard work. 
I, it, I'm not thinking about what the other person wants. I'm just only focusing on me at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally, I totally hear you. I think that the, um, the, the last thought that I would love us to, to kind of discuss before we go to the rest of the rules is in true moonshot style, I think we have to ask ourselves, how might we, what could we do? Okay. So we finished recording the show. What, what would be something you would do if you said, look, I need to kind of get myself on track to make sure I'm being the best version of myself. What could I do to make sure I'm not taking the shortcuts, but I'm really, you know, sacrificing now and for, for, for enjoying the gains later. What do we do, Mark? Well, I, I, I think something that comes to my mind as we reflect on the way that, that we work is, is collaboration or communication with another. So what we've discussed on the show before, uh, and I believe it was the, the Lencioni series that we did on, on teamwork and collaboration, uh, as, as well as maybe Abby Wambach as well, is you utilize those around you in order to be the best version of yourself. So if you are playing in your own sport, if I'm by myself, if I'm working alone, I might have the tendency to then fall into the trap of saying, oh, well, I've done it correctly. But only when you share it or communicate it with somebody else, right. do you get that, that feedback. And I think that's perhaps how I keep myself on track when that's I go correct. out and seek that little bit of collaboration. I would say that um, a build on that is you can share your goals with people that care about you hmm. in a way for them to hold you accountable. Yes. <laughs> you yes. know, like, hey, I want to run that marathon. Okay. Oh, hey, Mark, you've been, been doing that training. Isn't that yeah. marathon coming out? Yeah. Um, Have you been doing uh, well, um, you, you see, I've been busy. <laughs> um, I would say also um, dare to ask yourself, who do I want to be? write about it. Uh, how do I want to live my life? Write about it, uh, manifest it. Um, not only, uh, through writing, but take time to meditate on the, the vision you have of who you want to be. Um, don't just vaguely having this idea. I want to be kind of a good guy and I want to like help out a bit. Define that. Mm. Right. So Put those two together, sharing those things and defining those things. So share it with others for a bit of mutual accountability um, and uh, write it down, get it out. Um, don't make your dreams a secret, all right? Try and close the gap between the, the dream you have of who you want to be and how you behave today. Try and close that gap um, by manifesting it, by writing it down, sharing it with others. I think that's a very uh, good way to have the courage to dream, but also make yourself a bit vulnerable and accountable uh, to that. And I think a, a last thought here is when you build these habits, routines, and practices, whether it's waking up early, you know, getting into bed early so you can wake up early, whether it's um, doing stretches, whether it's cold showers, whether it's whatever your habits are, build these habits so they are like a rock. If, you know, for myself, I know I'm at my best in the mornings. So you know what? It's like mission number one to get my ass into bed early because I wake naturally at about a 5.30, 6 o'clock uh, region. 
And so the beautiful thing is that I don't need to set an alarm if I'm getting into bed early because I'll just naturally wake when my body's had sufficient sleep. Now that's, that's how I'm trying to find meaning in my life. So ask yourself, do I have the right routines, habits, and rituals that set me up for success and practice those every single day, make sure they support your goals, your vision of yourself, and dare to share it with people around you so that they can hold you accountable. I mean, that's my humble shot at trying to find meaning at life, Mark. Does that make any sense at all? I, I think I think it does. I think the holding yourself accountable by by telling others is is one of the pieces of advice from Stephen Covey. Mm. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And his seven yeah. habits of highly effective people, I believe. Yeah. Sit back and enjoy this one. It's a bit longer than usual, but it is well worth the wait. So let's, for the last time in this show, listen to Mr. Jordan Peterson. Final rule. It's called pet a cat when you encounter one on the street. And it's, it's a very, it's the most personal chapter in the book. It's a lot about my daughter. And my daughter was very ill when she was, well, when she was a kid, but particularly when she was a teenager, she had a very terrible time of it. Um, She had juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, and when she was between the ages of 14 and 16, it first destroyed her hip, which had to be replaced, and then it destroyed the ankle on her other leg, which had to be replaced. And she walked around for two years on broken legs, and she was taking massive doses of opiates and could hardly stay awake, and like... And she had this advanced autoimmune disease, which produced all sorts of other symptoms that were just as bad as the joint degeneration, but which are harder to describe. And so it was just bloody brutal. You know, and as a test of your faith, there's almost nothing that's more direct than a serious illness inflicted upon an innocent child, right? And so the chapter is a meditation on that and also on... Well, what to do in a situation like that? Because everyone is going to have a situation like that in some sense, you know, because you'll be faced with illness in the people that you love and in crisis. And so it's a, it's a practical guide to coping with those sorts of things. Like, and one of the things you do when you're overwhelmed by crisis is you shorten your time frame. You know, it's like you can't think about next month. Maybe you can't even bloody well think about next week or maybe not even tomorrow. You know, because now is just so overwhelming that that's all there is. It's like, and that's what you do. You cut your time frame back until you can cope with it. And if it's not the next week that you see how to get through, then it's the next day. And if it's not the next day, then it's the next hour. And if it's not the next hour, then it's the next minute. And you know, people are very, 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 very tough. And it turns out that if you face things It turns out that if you face things that you can put up with a lot more than you think you can put up with and you can do it without becoming corrupted. And she did recover quite quite fully and much as a consequence of her own machinations because she figured out what was wrong with her and then took the necessary steps to fix it, which is nothing short of a bloody miracle as far as I'm concerned. And uh, anyways, part of the, the... the cat bit is, I actually start by talking about our dog, who actually died about a year ago, but he's still alive in the book. Um, I, you know, I let people know, because dog lovers love dogs, and if you love cats, then they think you don't like dogs, and then they, you don't, they don't like you. So I also point out at the beginning of the chapter that, you know, if you want to pet a dog on the street, that's okay too, so you don't have to get up in arms about it. But, but the idea is that, you know... You have to be alert when you're suffering. You have to be alert to the beauty in life. 
the unexpected beauty in life. And that's kind of what I was trying to get across with the idea of the cat. There's this cat that lives across the street from us called Ginger, and Ginger's a Siamese cat. And cats really aren't domesticated, eh? technically speaking. They're still wild animals, but they kind of like people. God only knows why, but they do, you know. And so Ginger will come wandering over, and our dog looks at her, but they're friends, and she rolls over on his back, and Seiko used to, you know, nose her a bit. And, and then she'd kind of mosey over and let you pet her if she was feeling like it that day. And, you know, you have to look for those little bit of, that little bit of sparkling crystal in the darkness when things are bad. You have to look and see where things are still beautiful and where there's still something that's sustaining. And, you know, you narrow your time frame and you be grateful for what you have. And that can get you through some very dark times and maybe even successfully if you're lucky but even if unsuccessfully then maybe it's only tragic and not absolute hell and maybe I think and this is sort of what I closed the book with is this idea is that if we didn't all attempt to make terrible things even worse than they are then maybe we could tolerate the terrible things that we have to put up with in order to exist and maybe we could make the world into a better place you know and it's what we should be doing and what we could be doing because we don't have anything better to do and that's what the book is about and that's the end of 12 rules for life thank you Find gratitude and notice the beauty in life because the journey is going to be hard and don't make it harder on yourself by not looking around and, and petting the cats, smelling the flowers. Yeah, it's, it was like he was just, he'd just been hanging out with Eckhart Tolle and <laughs> yes, <laughs> talking about being in the moment, the power of now, you know, when in doubt you do have the now. Wasn't that something powerful from the Eckhart Tolle show? Yep. Focus on the power of now. That's the only thing that matters. It doesn't matter where you were yesterday in the past or where you're going to be in a minute or, or an hour's time. Just focus on right here, right now. Another one of his rules, and this is uh, about this kind of idea of self-accountability. And it all is told through this idea of what's in the fog. Do not hide unwanted things in the fog. Yeah, that's a good one. Imagine that you're wandering through the fog and there's, and there's, there's pits that you could fall into and that there's, there's knives that you could impale yourself on. There's sharp edges everywhere. It's like, well, that's terrible. The world's, it's terrible that the world's full of pits and sharp edges and knives hidden in the fog. It's like, well, yeah, but what if you disperse the fog? Well, then the pits are still there and so are the sharp edges and the knives, but... You don't have to fall into them because you can just walk around them. You know, and that, that's another reason why it's so useful to face things. It's like, well, if you, if, you, if you become articulate about what it is that's disturbing you, then you sharpen, up, you sharpen up your representations of the catastrophe, let's say. And then you can, then you can it turns out that it's much more probable that you can deal with it. You know, and you can't be sure because sometimes you're just screwed. You know, and well, that's why you end up dying, right? It's like, well, I'm dead serious about this. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be stupidly optimistic. Sometimes you can be backed into a corner and there's no escape. That happens. But most of the time, it's not the case. Most of the time, if, you, if, you, if you're willing to make the situation clear, right, which is a matter of facing it and then clarifying it, 
It's a courageous thing to do. That's to beard the dragon in its den. You know, if you do that, then you find that the situation resolves into a set of problems that are smaller than you originally assumed they would be. And there's a much higher probability that you can decompose the problems and then start to address them. And it doesn't matter because it's, it's your best bet. Like even if it doesn't work, and it might not, it's like you don't have a better strategy. There is not a better strategy. There's not a better strategy than to seek out the dragon in its den, even though there's some possibility that you'll get burnt to a crisp and that you won't get the gold. It's much better than waiting at home in your bed quivering while the thing grows and comes in and eats you, because then for sure you lose. And that's pretty much how life works. Oh, it's, it's one of Peterson's talents, isn't it, Mike, to tell mm. such a, such a story with such vivid imagery, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. connecting this rule to, to two different stories there, uh, the knives in the, in the fog, as well as the dragon in the den, I, I really like. And at the core of, of that, when I hear it, he's reminding me, Hey Mark, remember life's full of knives. So, and then maybe there's a dragon in the cave. And instead of being blind or insisting on that, maybe not being the case, or instead burying your head in the sand and not preparing for it, then you might get burnt to a crisp or you might fall into the pit. But instead, if you can, you know, name the beast. And in fact, we've spoken about this on the show before. If you name the the beast, if you know what's coming, you're going to be much more likely to be able to put up with it and maybe get out of it even stronger than you imagined. I, I like that, that, that final thing that he just actually referenced towards the end of the clip. When you do name it, sometimes it's smaller than you think. Mm. Look, there are, there are so many builds on this. Let, let's do this exercise of just showing how there is this magical intersection between what he's saying and so many of the people, the superstars that we have studied, Mark. Now, number one, Patrick Lencioni, you mentioned earlier in the show, he talks about the key thing that a team needs to be able to do is talk about the dragon, right? Mm. To talk about the challenge, the, the have the hard conversations. In fact, Brené Brown wrote the book Braving the Wilderness, which is all about you know, boundaries and accountability and this non-judgment, right? And we know how popular the Brené Brown uh, series was. But what's interesting is you can go right to Joe Rogan. Do you remember he said, pretend there's a documentary crew filming your life? That, That is to help you get to the dragons, because you gotta you gotta clean your room when the when the crew's filming, right? You've got to if you want to perform in a team, you've got to be able to talk about hard things. You've got to have like Goggins talks about an, uh, an accountability mirror. You got to look at yourself and face the dragons. We talk about the the proverb of facing your demons. At some point, we must all come to terms with him. And I love this idea that he's basically saying, if you don't choose to go out and meet the dragon, the dragon's certainly going to come get you. Yeah. <laughs> it's inevitable. <laughs> Great, right? Isn't it amazing how this thought we could see uh, in anyone from Brené Brown, Joe Rogan, Patrick Lencioni, David Goggins, and far beyond. It's, it's really, it's a fascinating theme that has come back so much on the Moonshots podcast, isn't it? 
I think it's for me the the proactiveness that a lot of these yes uh, moonshotters are demonstrating. You know, they're they're all going out and putting their that front foot forward, so to speak, seeking discomfort. They're seeking the discomfort, and in doing so, they're getting stronger. They're getting better. They're getting where they where they are now. They're becoming superstars. And, you know, that's the, the call out here, isn't it? In these, in these rules, as well as all the work that you've just mentioned. Let's dig into rule number seven. So this is uh, the second half of Beyond Order 12 More Rules for Life. And in this rule that Jordan Peterson is going to introduce us is about stretching ourselves to find our limits. Yeah, and then rule three is, is analogous to that. Work as hard as you can, as you possibly can, on at least one thing and see what happens. Well, it, it, it is a corollary to that. It's like, well, one of the things you want to discover when you're young or one of the things you want to discover at some point in your life, it's better to discover it when you're in your 20s, I think, is, well, just how hard can you work on something? You know, like if you pick something, I don't care what it is, again, you think, oh, I'm going to go flat out on this and see what happens. And that's also useful, too, because there's no other way of really discovering your limits, right? And you kind of want to know what your limits are. I think one of the things you need to do in in your life at some point is push yourself farther than you can go, you know? So you you kind of push yourself past the point of exhaustion. Think, oh, that's good. There's the point of exhaustion. Well, you can't stay there because if you stay at the point of exhaustion for any length of time, well, then, you know, you'll you'll degenerate, right? Because that's just too much. But you can find that point and then you can pull back and you can think, okay, well, I can't go farther than that. I, I, I kind of know where my limit is now. I can pull back and I can operate within that limit, but then at least you know where your limit is. And then that's an unbelievably useful thing to do as well. And the other thing too is, is like, well, how are you ever going to discover if you could possibly be successful at whatever you want to be successful at unless you push yourself in at least one direction right to your bloody limit? And it's another thing, you know, it's another thing that we don't teach young people. And it's quite striking to me because it seems kind of obvious. It's like, well, who are you? You're 19, you're 20. Who are you? Well, you don't bloody know. How do you know? It's like six years ago, you were 13. You don't know anything. So, well, so what are you capable of? Well, you don't know. Well, how are you going to find out? Well, you're going to push yourself at, at something farther than you can go. And then you have some sense of where your limits are. And, you know, your limits are going to be, they're not going to be where you think they are in all probability. Well, some of them will be a little closer than you want them to be. But a lot of them, you'll be able to push yourself way farther than you think. And so that's, that's an unbelievably useful thing to do. And so that's, you, and then maybe, you know, if you really wanted to get ambitious about it, you could push yourself as far as you could go in five or six different directions. And just find out, like, well, where are your contours, you know? What, what, it, what exactly are the limitations of this form that you're inhabiting? And you get some sense of who you are and what you're good for. You know, and that's a lot. This is part of the reason why I'm, I'm not happy with this continual injunction in our society to, well, to have more self-esteem or to be happy. It's like, well, first of all, good luck with being happy. And, well, it's just not going to work out when you're not happy. You know, and things are going to come along that are going to make you not happy. And then if the whole purpose of being is to be happy and you're not happy, then as soon as you're suffering, you're done because you got nothing. Uh, Mark, there is so much in that clip. (laughs) 
let me just try and, and give you a quick selection of thoughts that came to me. He talked about pushing your limits in order to have the uh-huh that you can go way further than you might imagine. That is great. The other interesting thing that you see in this story of pushing yourself is that it also sets boundaries for your circle of competence. It helps you understand the games you want to play, the games you shouldn't play. There is so much in this. And I I always come back to this idea that there is a big difference between happiness and fulfillment. And I think he pointed on another thing there, which was, you know, if you're sort of naively in the search of utopia and happiness, then life is just going to be tough because it's full of challenge of hardship. And we have a great uh, rule at the end of this show that really brings this home. But Mark, there was so much in that clip. I don't, I mean, I've just given you the three things that really jumped out to me. Where, where do we start breaking this down? Well, I, I think start with what Jordan Peterson calls out. You don't learn this at school. You don't get taught to stretch yourself or perhaps go and try lots of different things. So I want to really dig into that and understand, okay, well, how can we and our listeners do that? You know, perhaps we're not in school anymore, Mm. but I'd say that we're still learning. We can still learn out loud together with our listeners. We can learn each day that we wake up. And I wonder what the best way to, you know, practice this stretching and practice this you know, exposure to finding your limits is, is going to be. Mm. Well, I, I, you know, talking about limits and so forth, you know, I quite literally spent a vast majority of the first 20 years of my life, never going close to my limits. And then I've spent the second half of my life pushing my limits um, and really seeing things through and the reward and satisfaction that you get when you bloody well stick at it (laughs) versus like giving up in the face of the first sign of adversity. I mean, this is such a powerful thought, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's huge because it, again, I think it's pretty relatable. It's pretty common. I think it's very, especially nowadays where we have lots of gratification. It's quite easy to go and find or buy or receive whatever you want, you know, whether you wanted a coffee right now, or you wanted a, a, a drone or an iPad for a lot of people, it's, it's quite easy to go and, and source those. And it's, I think made us a little bit soft because we're no longer fighting for uh, that receival. I think we can still fight for perhaps achievements at work. But if you were to ask somebody who's maybe starting out in their career, hey, you haven't achieved such and such. You haven't achieved that title or that role. And that sounds like what's motivating you. How do you feel? I think you're going to find that they're feeling pretty unmotivated because they haven't received it yet. So this, this inability to want to drive, work hard, to achieve that next level is possibly because they're not ready to, to go out and give it a go and work as hard as they can. Yeah. I think here it's like what we can do to kind of live this rule out is to set ourselves a healthy stretch goal. Yes. 
What do you think? So, so give it, let's, let's do this as a bit of an exercise. Is there a, a stretch goal that you could think about in any part of your life that would be really kind of paying homage to this idea of work as hard as you possibly can and at least one thing and see what happens? What, what would be one thing you could push as hard as you could on? Ah, oh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a great question. It's, I, th- I think it's the reflect, it's the self reflection. You know, we're already learning out loud, digging into it every single week. And I'd say that I definitely do perhaps more than, more than some, but what I could do is go even further. I could go much deeper. I'll do my mm. 10 minutes of meditation every day. I'll do my journaling. I'll do my um, stretching, uh, I, I, sorry, I mean, physical stretching, rolling and so on, mm. but I could take all those another level higher. And mm. that could be quite interesting to see where my mm. attention deviates, where my body deviates. It could be quite interesting to go and do that. How about you, Mike? Where, where would you work as hard as you possibly can? Yeah. So, so I, I would say that, um, to come back to what I said earlier, because I was, uh, shall we say a little on the lazy side for the, for the first (laughs) half of my life. Um, I don't believe that now, actually. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I sort of probably, I mean, I probably need to go and sit on the couch and, and talk to Jordan Peterson about this, (laughs) but, um, my sort of, when I had my aha moment at the age of 20, and I was like, dang, I think I might want to apply myself right now. Um, I think I had a very uh, dramatic counterbalance. So I kind of got into beast mode and then just never really got out of it. I think that um, perhaps the working hard as you possibly can was always there from a work perspective, you know, doing my job. But I think that has now um, been put into a much bigger picture of working on uh, my health and wellness and um, working on things outside of work and putting my, like, for example, running. So I'm doing a lot of running and I'm working really hard. So I have holidays coming up and I will attempt a 20 kilometer run on my holiday, which I've never done. So the largest, uh, longest distance I've ever gone is 16 kilometers. So I'm going to put a 20 there and that will, it will absolutely amaze you. If you had said to me, um, a year and a half ago, Oh, Mike, you can smash out 16 kilometers once a week. Mm. I would have said you're crazy. (laughs) Um, but that's what I do now. Uh, so on the, on the holidays, I will go for 20 kilometers. So I'm very excited about that. Oh, wow. Good work. I mean, isn't it interesting? uh, And that's a perfect demonstration of the power of Jordan Peterson's rules Mm -hmm. because you can interpret them physically, emotionally, or career driven. Yeah. Personal or personal professional. I I think that's the power of a good parable or, or, or a good metaphor is it has that, that wide application, right? Yeah, I, I totally agree. And we're going to come on to talk about, um, you know, relationships, uh, vices and so on in the rest of this show. And, and again, it just shows us how applicable they all are to us, Mike. Mm. Um, I, th- I, th- I think one thing I want to say before we, before we move on to this next clip is that 
what Jordan pointed out at the end there is going to be a theme that we come back to in this show, which is get ready to change your expectations of happiness. I think that, uh, and this was incredibly powerful in my own personal case. Once I figured out that hard work was part of feeling much more than just happy, but feeling satisfied, fulfilled, that I am living up to my purpose in life. And that equation, that the choice that we always talk about in the show, Mark, to be the best version of yourself, the thing that I discovered and the thing I work on every single day is being prepared to do the work, to encounter the hardship, to embrace the discomfort, give up the falsehood of utopia and find that life is all about, you know, going through the obstacle, not avoiding it, not judging it, going through the obstacle. Well, there you are, Mark. We have covered quite some ground, five very different thoughts and rules from Jordan Peterson, the newsmaker, the controversy man himself at the moment. (laughs) Um, We're here to learn. And my question for you is out of those five, you know, when you think about comparing yourself with others and meaningful work and all Mm. of the other good ideas there, which one feels like needs your attention right now? Is there one of those that you're going to put a little extra study on? Well, you know, what's funny, I think the uh, initial time of, uh, that I was introduced to these, these books, I remember do not hide unwanted things in the fog as a massive aha moment. Mm. This idea of being accountable and admitting things and naming the beast as we heard. I think that was really, really uh, important. But actually what I'm starting to lean towards uh, now is this idea of doing meaningful work Mm. rather than going for the, let's say the expedient or the fast way instead, and maybe sometimes the easy way, instead choosing that meaningful path, that meaningful work that then allows you to prioritize, but also just look back one day and say, Hey, I, I did that. I'm pretty, pretty happy with that. What about you, Mike? I, I like that one too. And that's certainly a huge theme that we've discovered in the show. You know, look, just not comparing yourself with others, right? Mm. Just compare yourself to who you were yesterday. What a big idea. So that's something for me to go and work on. Well, Mark, thank you to you for joining me in this journey of reflection and review of the work of Jordan Peterson here on show 189, Jordan Peterson the essential rules from us here at the Moonshots Podcast. And it started with idea number one, compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to someone else today. Very good stuff. And then we go a little bit deeper, pursue what is meaningful, not what is expedient. That's right. Just like JFK in 1962, going to the moon was not going to be easy but you do it because it's meaningful. We love that kind of stuff. And then we really kind of turned into some really important themes such as gratitude and accountability, essential practices of any moonshotter. And if there was an idea that is the top of the pyramid for us here at the Moonshots Podcast, 
It's the growth mindset. And that's exactly what Jordan Peterson left us with, with the idea to work as hard as possible so that you can at least get one thing to that top. See one thing through and just see what happens. What a great rule to do the work. And that is a fundamental principle of us here at the Moonshots podcast. This is how we can be the best version of ourselves. And it's such a pleasure to learn out loud together with you, our members and our listeners. All right, that's it for the Moonshots podcast. That's a wrap.